Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. How long did the marriage last? According to the court records, a little over a year. But in actuality... And according to you... It was pretty much over right away because... uh, we got married uh, in September, October. She told me she shouldn't have gotten married. This is the plaintiff, Lawrence Hanberry. He says he proposed to the defendant, and she accepted the ring he gave her, and they got married. One month later, she said she wanted to get an annulment. They did. Now she won't return the wedding ring he gave her, and is suing for $6,743.28, the cost of the ring. This is the defendant, Bernice Martinez. She says the plaintiff acted like he was the boss of her and wanted her to be a submissive wife. Bottom line, the defendant says the ring belongs to her and she's not returning it. She's accused getting cold feet. The defendant has filed a countersuit for $250 for legal fees. All parties, please raise your right hand. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Mr. Hanbury, tell me yes. what happened. First of all, let me say I enjoy your show. <laughs> I watch it Thank on a regular. Oh. Did I make you nervous? <laughs> no, no, not, not at all. Okay, so Mr. Right. Hanbury, uh, you were married to Ms. Martinez, correct? Yes. And how uh, long did you two go out before you got married? It was like eight, maybe nine months. Uh, I met her through my uh, late wife who, of 39 years. And the last uh, four years of her life, uh, she suffered from cancer. Uh, we battled that. I'm so sorry. And she succumbed. She, thank you. She succumbed. She succumbed, succumbed to cancer uh, in November 2017. And okay. Bernice was one of the people that came by and assisted and bringing food and, and, and comfort. And uh, over a period of time, you know, she kept coming. And uh, when I came out of that dark place, you know, she was there. And so uh, I was attracted to her. And uh, I must say, I was smitten. And uh, we developed a relationship and continued from there and decided uh, we'd get married. And that marriage took place on September 1st, 2018. September 1st of 2018. How long did the marriage last? According to the court records, a little over a year. 
But in actuality, and according to you, it was pretty much over right away because uh, we got married uh, in September, October. She told me she shouldn't have gotten married. And I didn't know what to do with that. I did the best I could. I felt that, you know, I had to, I was dedicated. I said, let me work with that. And I did. And uh, then there were problems after that. Seemed like nothing I did for her was right. During the courtship, I seemed like I could do no wrong. But then all of a sudden now, uh, there's all kinds of problems. Uh, we had issues. Ain't that always the way? Adults. What was the problem yes, in the is. marriage, Ms. Martinez? Um, the, the problem was when he met me, he knew that I was the sole caregiver of my mother and my mother suffers with dementia and Alzheimer's. She's been depending on me for over 16 years and he knew this. And then he also knew that I had two dogs and I figure once we got married that we unite, you know, I move into his house, I can bring the dogs, um, I ask if my mom could come live with us because she can't live by herself, and in the beginning it was yes, you know, the dogs can come, the mom can come, and then all of a sudden it changed, and it was no, I don't want your dogs here because your dogs are not trained, um, and it just escalated from there, and then I said okay, well then I'm going to start moving my mom in. And it was, again, no. So it created a problem because I had to keep going back and forth from one house to another house. Okay. So, Mr. Hanbury, she kind of uh, explains why she feels that you, that uh, different about you after the marriage, which is that you were the one who changed uh, course and no, decided you didn't want no. her dogs or her mom living with you. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. All right. I'll stop playing all. Dr. Phil, and we'll talk about the wedding band. <laughs> You guys end up getting a divorce, correct? <laughs> yes. yes. No, an annulment. An annulment. Okay. Well, yes. but you got you went to court and you settled the divorce. And um, how many months after that have you decided that you're going to sue for the ring? Uh, that's since March. So what's that? Five, six months. Five yeah. months. Yeah. And so my question to you is, why didn't you bring up the ring in the divorce? I did. She said she didn't have it. And why was an annulment important to you? Well, because I, I, I felt I was cheated. Uh, I put forth a whole lot of effort, a lot of expense, and uh, I got no wife. <laughs> I never got one. And so I wanted this thing washed away. Uh, only thing I have is uh, are the bitty, bitter memories of the event. And Ms. Martinez, according to you, why did he want it annulled? I think he wanted the annulment because he wanted to go back to reinstate his deceased wife's um, Social Security benefits. And in order to do that, he would need an annulment. Is that accurate, I, I Mr. Hanbury? Yeah. Totally inaccurate. Totally inaccurate. I have a question for you. You want the $6,000 yeah. ring. Out of curiosity, do you have the ring? No, I sold the, the ring. I took it back to where we originally went okay. to, to purchase the ring. And how much did they give you for it? So the depreciation value after a year, it went down to $711. How could it go from 6000 to 711 Um, I took it back to the same place, and that's what they gave me.
Did you actually pay six thousand for the ring a year earlier, Mr. Hanbury, I, or is that just the value that they gave I, you? I paid six thousand seven hundred and forty something dollars for the ring, I, and I, I am I, I am stunned seats. that you would just take seven hundred dollars for it. Not that it matters, you know, legally. I'm just really surprised. But let me ask you, Mr. Hanbury. Here's the problem that you have. I'm looking at the settlement, and in the settlement. Under division of liabilities, okay, it says any obligation or li liability that is not listed herein shall be the responsibility of the party that incurred the same, and the party that incurred the same shall indemnify the other. And then the next entry after that, neither party shall hereafter incur any obligation or liability for which the other will be liable, specifically in the divorce decree or annulment decree that you sought. It's right in there that you don't get to bring stuff up later. That's the whole point of going to family court and getting it resolved is that we want to create a world where neither of you has to get mad at each other and sue each other later for anything else. That is your one form to get it settled. So if you signed this settlement, which I know you did, that said that neither party's incurring any obligations hereafter, for which the other will be liable, how is it that you're able to sue her now and say, hey, by the way, I want my six grand back? You should have handled it in the divorce. Well, I tried. I brought or it up and it was what washed up. It was washed over. Well, then it was whitewashed, and that's what happened. Right, well, whatever, then that's what happened. But you don't get to bring it up again later. Now, you had an interesting theory, which I kind of liked. You were saying, hey, it's a gift and contemplation of marriage. The marriage was annulled. So she has to give me the ring back. I love that. You obviously do watch people's court because you've seen the cases where people get engaged and then they don't get married. And then the groom will say, I want the ring back. And then the bride prospect, you know, erstwhile groom and the erstwhile bride will say, that's my gift. He gave it to me. And then she'll say, he dumped me. I don't want to give it back. And then I'll say, well, you got to give it back so, because that's the law in your state. Different states have different laws on what happens with the ring. But I'll tell you what makes it so that that's completely inapplicable in this case. The marriage actually happened here. An annulment is a legal conclusion later that we're going to say it never happened. But she earned the ring when she walked down the aisle. That marriage happened and she earned the ring. It is her ring. If you wanted it back during the settlement, then you needed to have made it part of the settlement. If you tried to, then she would she would have balanced it with her lawyer to get more somewhere else because she would say, I don't want to get back the ring. So, you know, there's no theory whatsoever under which you get back $6,000 from her not having made it part of the separation settlement. There just isn't. So my verdict in this case is for her on your lawsuit against her. Now... She has a counterclaim because, according to her, she had to pay $250 to her lawyer once you sued her for the ring. Do you have proof that you paid the lawyer $250, Ms. Martinez? Yes, I have to go get it. Okay. How long is it going to take you to go get it? This is where we are. This is your counterclaim. Just like two minutes. Sorry. Okay, here's what we're going to do. No, it's fine. I want you to submit it today. Since it can, it's only going to take you two minutes, I'll give you the whole day. If you paid your lawyer $250 to review this, then you are entitled to that $250 on this counterclaim. I agree with you. Because you shouldn't be out anything because the settlement couldn't be clear that there's no opportunity for either of you to sue the other one for anything. So on your counterclaim against him, 
if you submit the proof to my office, to my chambers today, that you actually paid your lawyer, you're going to have to pay that lawyer, that fee. Because you, what makes you think that you weren't bound by the settlement, Mr. Hanbury? You, I know you're a fan of the show, and I know that you watch this stuff. Why would you think that you, I wouldn't ma make you bound to the agreement in the settlement, Mr. Hanbury? Uh, somehow I thought you know, it, and you, uh, it, it'll be it, it's something fair would come out of this. This woman has cheated me out of thousands of dollars, and you know, yeah, the, you know, the washer, the dryer, the different things I have in her home that I had to put there, and she, 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 and she's a blatant liar about this whole thing and trying to twist this thing the way she wants it. And so, and here it is, I'm still- But you know it all movie. got settled in so, another courtroom, and I mean settled, yeah. not ruled upon, settled, like you signed oh, off. Well, yeah, you're bound well, by that, I thought all right? Was, so if you can provide proof that you paid 250, he has to pay that too. That's my verdict, I, my hands are tied in this whole thing. Good luck, folks. Okay, I wish I had known ahead of time. All right. Well, the plaintiff just said he wished he'd known ahead of time. Not only did he lose his suit, he got, <laughs> he has to pay her an additional $250, assuming she turns in the proper paperwork to the judge, and I would bet she does. Let's see what Mr. Hanbury has to say about it. How about it, Mr. Hanbury? What are you thinking right now? She set me up in the beginning. She was lying in wait, one of those people who saw me with money and decided to come in and, and be around. Even when I told her to stop coming by, she kept coming. But, you know, that's the way it goes. I got taken for a ride. I understand it'll never happen again. Anybody who runs into her better run. Well, Mr. Hembury, I feel sorry for you. I really do. Uh, Ms. Martinez, how do you feel about the outcome? I'm sure you're pretty happy, aren't you? Um, so I'm just glad that it's over and done with so I can move forward with my life. Well, congratulations. You won. There's a concept in law called res judicata, which literally means a matter decided. And what it means is that when you've already resolved the dispute before a competent court and you have a settlement agreement like they do in this case, you're bound by it. And that's really the heart of this case, isn't it? Right. But you made an interesting point, which was, well, you know, you're getting an annulment which makes the marriage it void from the beginning effectively, but what it doesn't do is blow up the settlement agreement no, and the resolution of no, the case uh, just by the fact that it makes it all void. That doesn't mean you can go back and start sorting out no, no, who no. gets the washer, who gets the dryer. I mean, he gets... seems like a reasonable guy. That's why I'm kind of surprised that he actually filed this because right. he should understand very clearly um, that, you know, he and his lawyers and she and her lawyers got it all hammered out. It's over when it's over. Right. You know, you need finality in these. You things. need finality, and and uh, he just didn't want to stick with the finality, I guess. And it cost him an extra two hundred. And it cost him an extra two hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> and then he found out she only sold it for seven hundred. This was a bad idea on so many fronts. Right, right. <laughs> so Nancy wants to know this. Hey, Harvey, my neighbor has a honey beehive in his backyard. I am trying to be a good neighbor because bees are important for the environment. The hive is getting really big, and now we have swarms of bees in my yard. What can I do? There is something in the law called a nuisance. It used to be called an attractive nuisance. That's kind of over and done with. But if those bees really create a nuisance, a safety hazard on your property because they're so big, I think you can do something about that. And honestly, I would probably call the Department of Animal Control if the neighbor won't listen because they're the ones most likely to solve the problem short of going to court court really isn't the right thing for something like this. That'll do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom.
Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is the plaintiff, Wayne Messmer. He says his wife passed away, and he told the defendant, his landlord, he'd be moving out and gave 30 days notice. When he asked for his security back, she told him she'd have to rent the place first. Then they would talk about his security. Huh? The defendant ended up stealing his money. He's not about to let her get away with it and is suing for the $970 he's owed. This is the defendant, Leah Basanji. She says the plaintiff was short on rent in September of 2018, and she deducted that from his security. When she explained that to the plaintiff, he wasn't happy about it. He also left eight days after he was supposed to get out, and she doesn't owe this guy a cent. She's accused of playing fast and loose with a refund. All parties. Please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says that his landlord stole money from him and she refuses to return it. But the defendant says the guy was behind on rent, so she deducted the money from his security, which he has every right to do. It's the case of lots of insecurity here. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. Okay, Mr. Messmer, you are suing because your former landlord did not return your security deposit. How long were you living there? Over two years. Okay, and I'm sorry, your wife passed away? Yes, she did. Sylvia, yes. I'm, okay, I'm sorry for your loss. And so you decided you were going to move where? To move closer to my family and to where I finally buried Sylvia. Okay, so what kind of lease were you operating under at that point? Were you on a month-to-month or were you in the middle of a lease? No, it was, uh, it was a two-year lease that expired and then it was just continued after that. So it was a month to month by law if everybody just stays there and nobody does anything else. Were you in the middle of those two years or were you no, at the end of the, the two after years? After the two years. After, after the, the two years. Year. All right. So what kind of notice did you give her that you were going to be moving out? I called Sherry, her representative, shortly after my wife passed and told her that unfortunately I was going to have to move out of the house because it didn't pay for me to maintain that that house for just myself and I needed to be closer right. to my family. And I explained that to her over the phone. This is who? The defendant's daughter? Yes. Okay. Do you have any text telling them I'm moving out on X date? Yes or no? Or was it all verbal? No, it was all verbal. Okay. All right. So now you end up moving on what date? January 2nd. Okay. And you did not pay any rent for January, correct? No, of course not. I paid for December and I moved When you say of course not, you were there two days in January, right? Yeah, I, I guess. Okay. They ended up not returning your security deposit the first month or the second month or the third month. You had to chase them. And finally, in month six, you get most of the security back. But she withholds two things. She withholds $825 
for something back in 2018, and she withholds the last water bill. You are not disputing the last water bill, right? No, no, I'm not disputing the water okay. bill. Okay. First of all, why did it take you six months to return the security deposit? Because that's not appropriate. That's true, but I was asking him that it's going to take a little bit time, and I will pay him back the deposit. I did not tell him that I... But don't you don't understand. You're not supposed to take a little bit of time to give him back his money. You're supposed to have his money in a separate account. You're not supposed to spend his money, you see? You can't do that. You had an interest-free loan for six months of the man's money. That's not fair. If somebody did that to you, I'm pretty sure you'd see how that's not fair. You're not supposed to spend the security deposit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. All right. I did not and now, it, but I was to asking. add insult to injury, you then deduct $825. Tell me why you deducted $825. Okay. I deducted $825 because they called me sometime in November of 2018 to say that uh, uh, they, they had a clog of something and, and he had to, to pay for that. There is no unclog that cost $825. Even Roder Hooder, their most, their most price is, I think, $400 or $450. If he would tell me, I would, the next day, in his experience, he knows that whenever he told me about something, immediately I fixed it. Immediately. Let me ask you so a question, he... though. Do you have any record, any anything you can show me to prove that you objected to the deduction of the rent in November of 2018? Because his position, your position, sir, is that this was something that was uh, that, that was cleared with the landlord back then. Correct. And Ms. Bazanji. I'm trying to figure out why there is absolutely no record of you saying to them, hey, you owe $825, pay me because I'm not approving this. What's it say on the memo line? It says... Minus repair. September, September 2018, rent... 2700 minus 825 That's what... Right, so when wrote. you got the check... Right. So when you got the check, you knew you obviously knew by the amount and the memo line that there was an issue. I am worried that you're just short on money and you are trying to make up that they owe you rent from two years ago. Why am I worried? I'm worried because I don't see any evidence of you objecting in 2018. None. I'm also worried because I see that instead of being a responsible landlord and putting the security deposit in an interest-bearing separate account, which is a law, what you did was spend it. And then you made him wait and beg and chase you for the money. So you start off behind the eight ball with me that maybe you're just short on money. Welcome back to the People's Court. These litigants are at loggerheads over whether the plaintiff gets his security deposit back. The judge seemed to be about to rule. Let's find out what it is by going back inside the courtroom. He's not some scammer who's constantly trying to nickel and dime you every time he writes a check. It is one time, and it never, never do you complain until two and a half years later. And I'm supposed to believe Your Honor, you that it was unauthorized? Why are you suing for $970? Wait, did he not pay the electricity? 
Or the water, the water. So when I see that on December 2nd, you pay 119.30, do you have the actual bill? No, I gave it to them. I gave, I gave it to them, the breakdown, I and gave And you don't them. keep records of it's anything either. All right. But 119.30 sounds appropriate. Stop yelling. And 109, Mr. Messner, Messmer, 119.30 sounds appropriate, right? Yes. So the amount One. deducted was 970, right? That's what you're missing from your security. Is that correct? Yes, Judge. Okay. And if I subtract from that 970, 119.30, I come up with $850.70 that you are owed. I am ordering you to return his $850.70 plus prejudgment statutory interest on that $850.70 from the time that you were shortchanged plus prejudgment statutory interest from the time that they, from 30 days past the time that you moved out. But I am going to deduct from that two days that you stayed there in January because. I understand that it's days. the first of January, but days. you also have. Uh, how do you? What's the proof you have? It was three. Because he told me on the on the phone. He said uh, he told Sherry, "I'm going to move on the third. He okay. Said, do you I have any evidence days. of that? Do you have no. any evidence of that? Okay. I'm ruling in favor of the plaintiff. I was not in the amount of eight hundred and fifty dollars. Stop. In the amount of eight hundred and fifty dollars and seventy cents plus the prejudgment statutory interest I talked about, because you have no right to spend a, a tenant's security deposit and then say, I'm short for six months, minus whatever the prorated rent is for two days. Good luck to you, sir. Your Honor, can I say something? So the plaintiff prevails in the lawsuit. He gets about $120 less than what he was actually suing for, but he seemed okay about that. Ms. Bassanji, I'd like to know, number one, you're the defendant. What did you want to say to the judge? You asked her if you could say something. Now's your chance. Well, I was going to say that uh, my part is to give him a workable uh, house, meaning electricity the right way, uh, plumbing the right way, and when, but he has to pay the rent. And, and I have to, to fix it. What he did, he took it upon himself and he did it his way. So I don't think that that was a fair judgment. That's it. Well, the judge ruled against you on that. Obviously, she thinks it was a fair thing. I, Let me ask you something. Were you running out of money? She thought you were making up stories because you're short on money. I swear, I swear, no. That was not the case. The opposite, when, when he called my husband, he threatened, he, called, he put somebody on the phone, I don't know who it was, and this guy threatened my husband and he said to him, I'm coming to your house right now to pick up the money. So he knew where I live. That's not the truth. I don't think that I was allowed to, to talk much in that, in that courtroom. Okay, Ms. Misanji. Well, that's it. Sorry you lost the case. Let's talk to Mr. Mesmer now. He's the plaintiff. Sir, how do you feel about the outcome? I, I would assume you feel okay. Am I right? Yes, I'm satisfied. But, uh, you know, it's a horrible thing to have to go through this, you know, with something that really is so unnecessary. Yeah, at this particular time, I certainly understand. Well, listen, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry for your loss. But uh, congratulations. At least you did win the lawsuit. Okay? Thank you. All right, let's see how the judges feel about this now. It's time for another session of After the Verdict. Here they are. So the plaintiff in this case, Mr. Mesmer, and his wife, Sylvia, may she rest in peace, they seem like dream tenants, didn't yeah. they? I mean, they pay on time, they, they're not complainers, and, but certainly in this case, you, had, you were confronted with evidence 
where there was a check back in 2018, and on the memo line of that check, it was clear they were deducting. It said minus 825, and then the silence roars from the For landlord. two and a half years. Right? Not a, not a peep from the landlord objecting. And, and she said, well, I objected. Okay, well, then where are you evicting them for nonpayment right. of rent? Where are you sending them an email saying, or a letter saying, you still owe me rent right. from that month? She does nothing, which... Incredible. I mean, sometimes silence demonstrates acquiescence or right. agreement. And in this case, over the course of a couple of years, that's a pretty loud signal to you right. as a that's judge. That's a concept right? in the law that you can glean from their silence in the face of the, uh, of right. the statement right. that they're acquiescing. It's almost an adoptive admission that, you know, oh, yeah, okay, 825 off. Because you, sure, would, ex okay because you would expect there to be some right. action for right. in two and a half years, and there isn't. And then when you add to that the fact that, you know. Six months that's to right. return a security deposit. That's ridiculous. And as you pointed out in the case, that's an interest-free loan of five grand. That would cost you a fair chunk of money. That's from right, a bank and it's gonna. So he's actually gonna make more than the 970 right. he sued for with all the interest that she owes him. So Kristen wants to know this. Hey Harvey, I share a driveway with my neighbor and I'm always getting blocked in. Would I be within my rights if I had his car towed? Uh huh. I wouldn't do that unless it's really extreme. If you have an agreement with this person, um, you should put a sign up saying that any car parked illegally can be towed even if it's a property owner, because without that sign, it's really dicey. So I would put a sign up and then tell the neighbor, hey, as long as you don't block me in, everything's hunky-dory. That will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom right now. This is the plaintiff, Jocelyn Diller. She says her neighbor's dog stuck his snout under her fence and grabbed her dog Ace's front paw, mauling it. Ace is her baby. She was traumatized by this attack and is suing her rude neighbor for the $1,684.96 she's owed in vet bills. This is the defendant, Kevin Gallagher. He says the plaintiff's dog has been digging holes under the fence, and the plaintiff does nothing about it. That fence is not the plaintiff's, it's his. Her dog is the troublemaker. She's an irresponsible neighbor, and he owes nothing. He's accused of not mending fences. All parties. Please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says that the defendant's dog stuck his paw underneath her fence and grabbed her little dog and mauled it. But the defendant says the plaintiff's dog digs holes under the fence, and that's where all the problems stem from. It's the case of keep your doggone dog out of my yard. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, Your Honor. All right, Ms. Dillard, tell me what happened here. I was taking my dog out after work like I do every day. I brought him into my small piece of the yard. Um, he was up against Mr. Gallagher's fence um, that happens to separate my yard from his. Um, he was using the bathroom. And is all your sudden, yard uh, fenced he, or no? Yes, all around the yard is fenced in. So he was up against the fence to use the bathroom and all of a sudden the dog came up from under the fence and just snatched um, my dog's paw. My dog was trying to like come out of it, but he couldn't, so I went over there. I stuck my hand under the fence, was trying to mush the dog. Finally, the dog let go. Me and my dog okay, fell back. What was the dog, what was his dog grabbing your dog with? His paws, uh, his, his snout? Okay. Yes, he was, so he uh, had he your dog's, dog's paw, paw in his mouth. Okay. Yes, correct. All right. Has something like this ever happened before? No. 
And so that fence doesn't reach all the way to the ground? It ends no. how many inches up? Maybe an inch, inch and a half up. It's enough so how did he get his like snout two. underneath? I'm honestly not 100% sure. I just saw the dog's snout uh, black with the white fur. That's all I saw on, the, on my dog's paw when my dog was trying to pull, pull his um, arm back out from under the fence. So what did you do when, how did you get the dog to let go, his dog? I was, I was just mushing at the dog's face. I managed I to get my Whose dog is barking? Is that, is that your dog, That's Mr. Gallagher, barking? barking? I want to know yes. who's objecting. Is it, it's your dog's objecting <laughs> to her testimony. Okay, so what does mush mean? What does the verb mush mean? What does mush mean? What did you do? Like push. I didn't like, not like punch, okay. just like, like a push. I just tried to push okay. it, um, the dog's face. All right, so eventually this dog let go, and you took your dog to the vet. Did the dog get stitches? Did your dog, what did, you, what did they do for your dog yep. for $1,600? So, um, they had to shave his arm because he had uh, surface wounds all on his arm. So they had to uh, laser shave it to get to the wounds, make sure they're not infected. And on his paw, he actually had to get some stitches. Um, we didn't think that it was that deep, but then when they looked further, they noticed that it was actually a deep puncture wound, so they had to stitch it up. All right, Mr. Gallagher, what do you say happened? You were just rolling your eyes. What do you say happened? I came home from work, I was late, and then I let the dogs out, and they only went out for like a minute, and I was surprised because they'd been in the house all day. But I guess they just wanted to eat because I was late. <laughs> and uh, they came in, I fed them, and I didn't shut the back door all the way. It was maybe an inch and a half open. And uh, Odin, the white one, he knows how to open the storm door. And I went back to cleaning the stove and I heard the door open and close. I went over there and I called Odin because I could hear him barking. And I called him and uh, he, he came and he looked at me and he went back where I can't see him behind the shed. And they both came in. He was, I mean, he was only outside 30 seconds, 45 seconds at the most. Yeah, it wasn't Yeah, long. it doesn't take long. Right. Yeah. And so whose fence is it? Is it your fence or her fence? Whose fence is it? It's my fence. It's my fence. Okay. And does, is the fence, does the fence stop shy of the ground or is it that the dogs have been making holes? It touches the ground in some areas and other areas. There's like an inch, inch and a half, and it could have been dug by her dog, dug by my dog. I don't know. It, it look, doesn't look like my dog because it looks like it's dug down you into know. her yard. What is this a picture of? That's the new fence. Is this the new fence? All yes. right. So how wide is that gap that's underneath there? It's only about an inch and a half, and it was put right along okay. the old fence line. That's Odin. Odin's a beautiful dog. I see cinder blocks back there. Is that on your side? Yeah. You put the cinder blocks up at yes. the suggestion of uh, animal yes. control or the police? So did you ever speak with Mr. Gallagher about it and say, hey, you need to pay these vet bills? Or did you guys ever communicate? I went to his house um, the next day to just explain and see if he saw anything. Um, he told me that he didn't want to go through any small claims or courts and that if I just send him the bills that he'll pay. Um, I did send them certified mail. They tried, attempted three times before it got sent back to me. And that's when I went through a small claim court. Mr. Gallagher, according to her, you, you weren't picking up your certified mail, but did you ever say to her, I'll pay your vet bills, sorry this happened, or did that conversation ever happen? She came over with some woman who uh, tried to present herself as, an, as a lawyer, I guess. She said that uh, she represented her and she wanted to know if I was gonna go through my homeowner's insurance. I said, no. I said, I'm not going through my homeowner's insurance. And she said, well, it's, you know, it's $1,000 now, and it's going to be more because the dog has to keep going back. 
And she says, how are you going to pay for this? And I said, I don't know. I said, if I have to pay something, I'll pay something, but I don't know if I have to pay it or not. I just wanted them okay. to leave. So let's talk about that. Okay, let's talk about that. Welcome back to the People's Court. The question, uh, is the defendant responsible for paying vet bills, which could go way into the future? Go back inside the courtroom, find out. Here's what the law is in your state. Every state has a different law governing this type of situation. Some states have what the law calls strict liability. And that means if your dog does any damage to either a person or their property, you are liable unless that person or property was A, trespassing, or B, taunting, teasing, or agitating, you know, taunting or teasing your dog, like, was asking for it. All right. So, frankly, we've got a situation where either her dog trespassed, and it's an exception, or your dog stuck his nose in, and it's not an exception. I have one witness, and that's Ms. Dillard. Um, You're not actually a witness to what happened. You do tell me that, yes, there are gaps. It is your your fence. But honestly, just if there was no fence, okay, or if the fence went all the way down, but somehow her dog had made a a, a, a burrow and your, your dog goes over, it's over. Once your dog goes over, it's over. And the only evidence about whether your dog went over to bite as opposed to her dog taking its paw and going like this under the fence so that your dog could bite, which I doubt happened, okay, is her testimony. So um, when that's the case, it's strict liability on your part. We don't have to get into was the fence low enough. You, as that dog's owner, as Odin's owner, are responsible for the vet bills 100%. 100%, unless you can test, unless you can show me that her dog was trespassing or her dog was taunting, teasing, whatever, which you can't because you weren't really there at the, at the fence. So I have to find, and I've looked at the vet bills, it's $1,648.96, which is high, but it is what it is. I have to find in her favor and order you to pay those vet bills. Uh, hopefully, we're, this isn't a situation where this is going to happen again because one or both of you are taking care of where the gaps are, but my verdict in this case is for the plaintiff because that's what the law is in your states. Uh, $1,648.96. Good luck, folks. Thank you. So the plaintiff prevails. She is going to get that that fee, more than $1,600, the vet bills paid by the defendant. Mr. Gallagher, what do you think about the judge's verdict? To me, it's physically impossible for him to shove his head underneath that fence. Her dog, in order to be bitten on the leg, the dog's leg had to be in my yard. You, you heard the testimony. You didn't see it. She did. Uh, and the judge says, therefore, you know, you're 100% liable for the vet bills. Sorry about that, but you got to pay, okay? Let's talk to uh, Ms. Dillard now, the plaintiff in this case. First off, Ms. Dillard, we haven't heard how ace your dog is. How is ace? Yeah, he's doing wonderful now. His fur is all grown back, and he's back outside chasing squirrels, so he's good. All right, I'm glad Ace is doing good, and congratulations, you've won the case. Mr. Gallagher, the defendant, named Odin after a Norse god, and you saw the picture, that white German (laughs) shepherd. He definitely looks the part, doesn't he? Beautiful Really nice-looking animal. But, again, we've talked about this in the past on dog bite cases. Most states are strict liability, Mm -hmm. and that's the situation here. You had one witness to this case 
who actually saw what happened, and you had no real yeah, contrary Yeah, I, I mean, it's account. uncontradicted testimony in the courtroom. There's no, unless there's some reason for me to think she's lying, which right. there was zero, um, right. you know, that's, that's what happened, and that's how it occurred. And, and certainly with a fence like that where you've got a gap underneath it, the next time it could be a toddler or a child who's running yeah. after a ball to pick it up yeah. or something, and you have to restrain your animal. You can't allow that animal to get underneath the fence, bite someone, hurt someone, etc. So it's really, yeah, it's, it's on the homeowner at the end of the day. I mean, you need to make sure that that's blocked off. You've got to restrain that animal within the curtilage or the fence, the edges of your property, 100%. Yeah. Okay, uh, Francis wants to know this. Hey, Harvey. I live in a hurricane-prone area and I've removed all my dangerous trees. I've sent letters to my neighbors warning them of their dangerous trees. Is there anything more I can do to protect my home? That is a problem because if you have neighbors that have trees that are healthy and a hurricane hits and you know it blows the tree down because 150 mile an hour winds, it's technically an act of God and you're not gonna have a claim. So I think the best thing to do is just figure out a way of protecting your own house.